You're listening to a sponsored episode on The Top Line, brought to you by McDougal Advisors. Today I'm joined by Megan McGrath and Sarah Mitchell-Moore from McDougal Advisors, a strategic communication agency for clients dedicated to delivering new innovations that improve human health. After a tumultuous year that weathered the continued impact of a bear market, many in biotech are looking for signs of improvement in 2023. Today we will discuss strategies that biotech companies can wield to set themselves up for success as the market shifts from a volatile, macro-driven correction phase to what is expected to be a more rational and fundamentally driven period. According to McDougall, now is the time to define or redefine a company's strategy and associated business narrative to ensure it can properly capitalize on opportunities that may arise as market conditions become more favorable, with a particular focus on H2 2023 and 2024, a time in which many biotech companies are anticipated to return to public markets to fuel their capital needs. Sarah, Megan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to be here. To get us started, tell me a bit about today's market and how we got here. In a nutshell, the market's just been incredibly challenging the last couple of years and particularly tough for the the biotech sector. Maybe I'll start with with how we got here. You know, the macro in particular has been been really tough and that's been true for sectors uh, outside of biotech. But fundamentally, it's had an outsized impact for uh, the demand of biotech equity as an asset class. Things like inflation leading to high interest rates, you know, make it difficult for for investors to to uh, invest in riskier asset classes. And biotech is is one of those asset classes. So that's been a particularly challenging uh, dynamic for for biotech. And the other challenge that that was unique to to biotech specifically was that. You know, heading into this macroeconomic storm cloud, um, biotech happened to be at an absolute market peak, uh, probably even a bubble, I think we're going to call it historically when we look back, fueled by, you know, enthusiasm for the sector around COVID uh, contributions and some of the excitement around vaccines and, and other advances. Um, so biotech had a much farther fall than I think other sectors did. And it was particularly just painful um, for the sector over the last couple of years. So for specialists that only invest in biotech, uh, there was a lot of pain. Uh, and we're still working through, you know, a lot of, you know, I'll call it sort of indigestion, if you will, that, you know, we're working you know, through in terms of, you know, kind of valuation and just kind of getting back to, you know, a functional capital markets sector for, for biotech. So, you know, where are we now? You know, we exited 2022, having withstood one of the longest periods of net negative performance for biotech stocks in the last 20 years. We saw a little bit of a improvement in January, but, you know, February was another tough month and we continue to tread some water here. You know, consensus, I think, is we're not expecting a worsening in stock prices, per se. The valuations have seemed to bottom out, which is which is a positive. But for biotech, this is not necessarily about where stocks are. We need a functioning capital market raising environment. Uh, this is a sector that needs to be able to come to market and raise capital to fund advancement of their pipelines. 
We typically think of companies coming to market every 18 to 24 months when we have a nice working market. And uh, obviously, if we've got a bear market that has now extended beyond two years, things start to get a little hairy. So many, many, many biotech companies out there now stretching their operating plans, trying to ride out this market. And it's, you know, it's tough. We're really, you know, companies are kind of really looking out the next 12 to 18 months and really trying to figure out how they're going to make things work. I do think we're starting to see a shift to a more rationally driven, fundamentally anchored market. Hopefully that means some more favorable conditions as we head into the second half of of 2023 and into 2024. But uh, we're not out of the woods yet and, uh, and time will tell. So given where we are, what strategies can biotechs put in place now to set themselves up for success when the market does shift? So as Sarah said, there's been a lot of pain in the market, but now isn't the time to sit around and wait. There is a lot of behind the scenes work that companies can do to be deal and partner ready for when the market inevitably does pick back up. That includes strategic brand analysis and positioning exercises for starters. You can also do a brand audit or refresh. Perhaps you need to think about your positioning in the marketplace, and that can be identifying your key differentiators, crafting a corporate identity that sets your science, your mission, your team apart from others in the marketplace. If you're prioritizing those key audiences, you can also think about what the key messages are for them and aligning those messages internally and externally, and then building consensus internally. All of those steps take a lot of time and a lot of work. And so this time is a really, really good time to lay the groundwork and invest in those short-term tactics that are really going to help you achieve long-term success. You mentioned building your story. I can certainly see the value in refining key messages and articulating your value proposition for your audiences. But are there ways that companies should be adapting their visual story? Absolutely. You can communicate so much with a an image. You can communicate the company's meaning, its positioning, its voice with just one look. A good brand is more than cohesive and captivating. It's unique. It's only something that's true for you. It is what story you want to tell to the world. And there are so many ways that we can tell that story. Are you edgy? Are you engaging? Are you straightforward? Are you warm? At McDougal, we have clients that some lead with science, some lead with the heart. Some are focused on talking about their patients and the communities that they're creating these these treatments for. Others are talking about the differentiators of their science and the rigor of their approach. And neither one is right or wrong. It's really about what is true to you as a company. And your visual brand should help communicate that and help advance that business strategy. And when you're creating those brand and company assets, you really want to think about your audience too. In biotech, we have such different audiences for these disparate levels of education about the science and about the industry. And so that necessitates a lot of varied storytelling and a lot of supporting visuals that might help educate or bring people who are a little less maybe scientifically minded along in the process and to really understand what your company does and who you are in the marketplace and what messages you're trying to communicate. And then obviously 
once you update your visual brand, it's really important to make sure that it's applied consistently throughout your entire suite of visual assets. Makes sense. So how do you ensure that your employees are on the same page with these branding changes? The answer to that is really one simple word, which is over-communication. At McDougal, we often stress that you're hardwired to perceive changes as, as human beings, we're hardwired to perceive changes as threats, right? And during times of change, neurologically, we are more stressed than we, we are in times of stasis. So we recommend to all of our clients at McDougal that you really want to over-communicate when you're making changes to your brand, but also thinking about the larger environment. There's a lot happening in the world and in the industry right now. So making sure that those employees and and everyone that is internal within your organization understands and is brought to that. And one of the ways that we recommend doing that is thinking about an omni-channel approach, right? So gone are the days of disseminating a message through one company meeting where you sit down and you say, this is what we're doing and that's it. You have to think about different learning styles, different types of communication needs. What are the blog posts that you can do? What are maybe um, some visual elements that you can put around the office or that you can use to help help clients and employees alike see your brand throughout all of their engagements with your materials. Um, One thing that people often forget is managerial supports. Managers are the most, most employees preferred method of communication. They often, studies have shown, want to hear information from their managers, not from CEOs, not from the C-suite. So making sure that you're supporting managers in communicating those messages is really important, giving them the tools that they need to understand the message and to be able to communicate those to employees. And don't forget to bring employees into the conversation early and often. You want to solicit feedback from them. You want to share your rationale for the decisions and the direction in which the company is headed. Incorporating those feedback loops is a really excellent way to build buy-in and ensure that those employees understand and are on the same page with you going forward. There have traditionally been landmark moments during the year, like the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, the bioannual meeting and others, where companies compete for share of voice. Are those still as relevant? Should companies be employing different strategies to make a splash throughout the year? You know, it's interesting. I, I think the calendar has, has changed somewhat. Those events are going to still be important, I think. I think perhaps they don't have the same weight that they used to. I think that, you know, virtual meetings, virtual events are here to stay. I think that the the bar for attending these meetings has been raised. I think a lot of, of companies and leadership teams have really changed the way that they've thought about the purpose of this meeting and why they would attend and the return on investment of their their time and their team's times at this meeting. There are certain meetings and interactions and audiences that they feel they can effectively and efficiently reach in a virtual environment. So, you know, I think it has changed the dynamic of those meetings. There are instances, though, where I think People see high value in those meetings still today. So I do think, you know, looking at your calendar and being really strategic about how you use these these meetings is important. We're still not 
back to, I don't know what the new normal is. We're still really in the first calendar year where a lot of meetings are back in person. Um, we still have a lot of meetings that are still virtual format, but you know, 2023 is really the first year that we're, we're kind of back, feeling our way back to a in-person format. You know, we haven't had that many meetings this year. I think people are happy to be back in person, but what I would say is you should get back out in front of people. Do you have to go to every single meeting? Probably not. If you go to these meetings, I would just be really strategic and thoughtful about how are you using that time? And if you don't go, I think, you know, there's other ways to effectively get your story out there. And it's a whole new world. And I think what we found during these last three years certainly is there's new creative ways and ways to use technology and other approaches to get the same type of work done. So I think they're important. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that in-person is not important. I think I personally, the in-person meetings I've gone to, I've been really happy to get back in that format for a number of reasons. But, you know, again, I think there's a happy medium here. We know we can do lots of great things in lots of different ways. It's not the end all be all, but there is a place for those meetings. And I think depending on what's going on with your company and your story, there's a place for that. And um, you just got to think strategically about, you know, how it fits in with your with your team and what you're trying to achieve and what your communication objectives are. It's just part of a good planning process. You know, when we we take a look at you know, communications planning goals and, and putting programs together. You know, we do take a look at that meeting schedules and things like that. And we work with teams to try to figure out, you know, how these meetings might fit into a, you know, holistic, uh, you know, communications plan. What about strategy decisions? How should a company approach goal setting and strategy in a down market? Yeah, I mean, I think everything right now in strategy has to be inextricably linked to capital raising goals. Um, we're in a really challenging capital raising goals. And if you do not have a strategy that is tethered to, you know, catalyzing your next capital raising, um, you're going to be in tough shape. I think what's important now is certainly raising money with the same strategy you had two years ago doesn't work. I actually think if you are looking at a strategy that you had a year ago, the market is different from a year ago. The market is different from six months ago. I think this is a very dynamic marketplace. And I think that investors are looking at the market daily, hourly, minute by minute. Um, and people cannot kind of sit in a fixed strategy uh, and expect to you know, have success. Um, this is a really dynamic market. So I think your strategy is one where you need to be in touch with the capital markets environment. It needs to be kind of tethered to what are the priorities that, that we need to achieve? What are the goals that we need to achieve that are going to allow us to raise the money that we need to take this company to the next level? And it, it really needs to be inextricably tied to investors and what investors want and need to support your company to, to raise money. And that is changing. And it's a very dynamic, dynamic thing. So I think if you're not in touch with investors, and you, you don't understand, you know, what investors are looking for right now, you need to build your strategy to kind of suit the investor framework and what investors are going to need to, to take that ride with you. And as you mentioned earlier, these investments might pay off sooner rather than later. Yeah, you know, the hope is, I, I do think that, um, you know, investors are, are really looking for companies that are, you know, making some bold moves. I think there's a lot of 
companies, you know, for every tough market, it creates a lot of challenges, but it also creates a lot of opportunities. And I think that companies that really take that glass half full viewpoint and look at it from an opportunistic perspective and think about what are the opportunities that are created here, look a little bit outside the lines and really think about how can I create value in this situation? How can I, there's a playbook that we were using. Maybe I should throw that playbook out and do something new. I mean, that's what investors are looking for. (laughs) They want, you know, they want risk adjusted returns, but they also want people that are really thinking about who's going to take my dollar and really think about creating, you know, value in this dynamic environment. And it, you know, it takes some people with some real creative thought and some, you know, real uh, kind of deep reflection and some real vision for how to, how to operate in this environment. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's the exciting opportunity for companies that and management teams that can really kind of put that together for investors. Excellent. Sarah, Megan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Happy to be here. Yes, thank you. You've been listening to a sponsored episode on The Top Line, brought to you by McDougall Advisors. 